Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. Zechariah here this morning, and uh, if you don't know where the book of Zechariah is, quickest way to find it is find the book of Matthew, and uh, then just work backwards a couple uh, pages, you'll uh, find the book of Malachi, or Malachi, the Italian version, and uh, then you'll find the book of Zechariah. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 14 here this morning. And uh, we've been, um, for the month of December, looking at some of these statements about I believe, uh, some things that we as believers in Christ should be confessing, statements that we should be holding to as what uh, Scripture kind of majors on, um, and uh, some of those things that we uh, already covered. Uh, We looked about uh, we believing in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, We believe in the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And last week, we looked at uh, we believe in the hope of heaven. And uh, I think it's important that we do believe in the hope of heaven. Um, And remember, it's not just the fact of I'm going to be in heaven one day or I'm going to have eternal life, but it's the fact of having Jesus. Jesus is our hope of heaven. So it's important that we hold to those things and we remember those things. And uh, if you can remember, last week we talked a little bit uh, about how Jesus is going to be revealed to us. Uh, He is coming, and he's going to be revealed, and that is the hope that we have uh, when Christ is revealed. And so picking up off of that, today we're going to talk about, I believe in a day that is coming. And so this morning, I wanted to speak to you about Christ's second coming. And as a believer in Christ, I think that it is very important that we understand and know what his second coming is going to be like. Jesus often talked to his disciples about his second coming. Why did he do that? Well, because he wanted them to be prepared. He wanted them to know the truth. So that way they wouldn't be caught off guard. And I think the same is for us as well as believers in Christ. And so the day of Christ's second coming, what will that day look like? What is it going to look like? Um, So we're going to cover quite a a bit of ground here uh, this morning out of uh, Zechariah 14. And uh, I'm going to do my best to try to help you grasp uh, what, uh, what Zechariah is talking about in his prophecy about the day of the Lord, the second coming of Christ. Um, And I think it's important for us to be challenged by truth like this, uh, because truth will always challenge us, and it changes us. And so we always need to be challenged with Scripture, right? We need to be digging deeper. We need to be digging more into Scripture, more into truth, so that way we don't become stagnant, and uh, so that we're continually growing in our relationship with Christ. And so uh, let's go ahead and read this uh, text here out of Zechariah 14. Hopefully you found your place there. But let's read this uh, tremendous passage here as uh, what Zechariah gives us about the day of the Lord that is coming. Zechariah writes, he says, Behold, a day is coming for the Lord 
When the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst, for I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered, and the women raped. Half of the city shall go out into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. On that day, his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and on the Mount of Olives shall be split into two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the mount shall move northward and the other half southward. And you shall flee to the valley of my mountains. For the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azel, and you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come, and all the holy ones with him. On that day there shall be no light, cold, or frost. There shall be a unique day, which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but at evening time there shall be light. On that day, living water shall flow out from Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea and half of them to the western sea. It shall continue in summer as in winter, and the Lord will be king over all the earth on that day. The Lord will be one and his name one. The whole land shall be turned into a plain from Geba to uh, Ramon, south of Jerusalem. But Jerusalem shall remain aloft in its sight from the gate of Benjamin to the place of the former gate, to the corner gate, and from the tower of Hanel to the king's winepresses. And it shall be inhabited, for there shall never again be a decree of utter destruction. Jerusalem shall dwell in security." And this shall be the plague which with the Lord will strike all the peoples that wage war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouths. And on that day, a great panic from the Lord shall fall on them, so that each will seize the hand of another, and the hand of the one will be raised against the, other, the hand of the other. Even Judah will fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the surrounding nations shall be collected, gold, silver, and garments in great abundance. And a plague like this plague shall fall on the horses, the mules, the camels, the donkeys, and whatever beast may be in those camps. Then everyone who survives of all the nations that have come against Jerusalem shall go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and keep the feast of booths. And if any of the families of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. And if the family of Egypt does not go up and present themselves, then on them there shall be no rain. There shall be the plague with which the Lord afflicts the nations that do not go up to keep the Feast of Booths. This shall be the punishment to Egypt and the punishment to all the nations that do not go up to keep the Feast of Booths. And on that day, there shall be inscribed on the bells of the horses, holy to the Lord. And the pots in the house of the Lord shall be as the bowls before the altar. 
and every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy to the Lord of hosts so that all whose sacrifice may come and take of them and boil the meat of the sacrifice in them and there shall no longer be a traitor in the house of the Lord of hosts on that day. Well, Merry Christmas. Isn't it interesting what can happen in a day? I don't know about you, but for those of you that have children in the home or have had children in the home, I'm sure that they are just bubbling with excitement and they cannot wait until when? Tomorrow. Because tomorrow's what? Christmas Day. There's an anticipation. There's a waiting. There's an expectancy of waiting for Christmas Day. Well, we as believers in Christ, we should have an anticipation for the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the day of the Lord. There is a day mentioned repeatedly in the Bible that we should be anticipating with eagerness. You can see that this is a major theme of this chapter. If you've noticed uh, some of the things that I had underlined here as we were going through it, you see this phrase, the day of the Lord. It's underlined in uh, uh, verse number 1, verse number 4, verse number 6, verse number 7, verse number 8, verse number 9, verse number 13, verse number 20, and verse number 21. The day of the Lord. It's coming. And Zechariah gives this prophecy, and he tells us about this coming day of Jesus Christ. The day of the Lord is not necessarily a 24-hour day, but it's a future time period of when the Lord will bring judgment to the wicked and salvation to his faithful ones. The New Testament makes clear that the hallmark of this day will be the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. He will destroy the nations that are on the verge of destroying Israel and establish his millennial reign over all the earth from Jerusalem. But before he comes, Jesus prophesied that there will be a time of tribulation, seven years. And this tribulation is a time that has such never occurred before, nor ever will occur now, this message is not about the timing of those events. Uh, this message is not about uh, uh, for where the church will be or what the church will be doing. Um, there's some that believe that the church will be taken out before the tribulation. This is what's known as pre-tribulational or pre-trib. Okay, we won't go through the tribulation. There are some that believe and hold to that the church will go through part of the tribulation. This is what is referred to as mid-trib or mid-tribulational. And then there are some that believe that the church will go all the way through that seven-year period. And this is called post-trib or post-tribulational. And so this message is not about that. Uh, we have to remember that those things are minor things. Uh, these are not things that we should hold to and, and fight to the death and say, oh, this is what I believe, right? No, we believe in a second coming of Christ. That's the major event. 
that uh, we should be anticipating and looking forward to do. So what you believe uh, when the church is going to happen and when all this stuff, that, that's not what's important. The important thing is that you have need to have your eyes fixed on the heavens, anticipating and waiting for the day of the Lord when Christ himself will be revealed from heaven and he will come and set up his millennial reign here on the earth. And so we need to be focused on the day of the Lord and we need to be prepared and know what God's word says about this day. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 24 that at the end of the tribulation, there will be these cataclysmic events, these, these events that have never taken place ever, ever happened. These things will happen here on the earth. Uh, all the nations of the earth will mourn. And, it's, and Jesus said, they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels to gather his elect from all over the earth. Revelation 12 and 19 add to what this day of the Lord will look like. And it tells us that Jesus will rule the nations with a rod of iron. He's going to rule. He's going to be king. There's not going to be any flexibility. Everything is going to be done in righteousness and holiness and justice. Jesus will rule and reign now, our text this morning refers to this coming day of the Lord, and this message is prophetic. We can divide the chapter really into two parts, uh, verses 1 through 15, deal with talking about the return of Christ and how he's going to defeat his enemies. And then you see in, in verses 16 through 21, tells us how Christ will then establish his kingdom here on the earth and rule in righteousness and holiness. Now these events are looking forward in time and in a sense God is pulling back the curtain and he's saying I'm going to give you a glimpse of what the return of my son is going to be like and what Jesus is going to do here on the earth. Much of what Zechariah writes here refers to the great and final battle elsewhere that we see called the battle of Armageddon. And so Zechariah is giving us this picture of what all of that is going to look like. Uh, if you want to look up more uh, references to all these things, you can look at uh, Revelation 16.16, 16, Revelation 19.11, also Ezekiel uh, chapter 38 and Ezekiel chapter 39. When Israel is surrounded by the armies of the nations and on the verge of annihilation, the Lord Jesus is going to return suddenly, and he is going to defeat all of his enemies. You know, it's interesting in, our, in, the, in the history of the world, if you, if you go and you look through the history of the world, you can see that Jerusalem has always been under attack. I mean, even today, I mean, with everything that's going on over there in uh, the Gaza Strip and Israel and the Hamas and all this kind of stuff, right? Israel has always been under attack. Israel has these enemies, and there's going to be a day when it looks like Jerusalem is going to be consumed. All the enemies are going to be surrounded by Jerusalem, and they're going to try to annihilate them once and forever. But Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to put a stop to it. 
and he's going to defeat all of his enemies. That is what Zechariah here is talking about. And he's giving us this glimpse of what the day of the Lord will look like. And so this is what I'd like for you to take away with you this morning. Christ will return as king. He will defeat his enemies and establish his kingdom over all the earth. Christ will return as king. He will defeat his enemies and establish his kingdom over all the earth. So let's take note of a couple things here uh, out of uh, Zechariah 14. First of all, I want you to notice, we believe that Christ is coming as king and conqueror. Now chapter 14 here is talking about a battle that has happened in Jerusalem. Okay? Uh, Zechariah is giving this prophecy of this battle that's going to take place in Jerusalem. And he's saying, Jerusalem has been surrounded by these enemies. And we pick up here in Zechariah 14, and we get this idea of what, what has happened to Jerusalem. And Zechariah talks about the battle a little bit more in uh, Zechariah chapter 12. If you want to read that on your own, I encourage you to do so. But Jerusalem is being overrun by enemies. So look at verse number 1. Okay? The enemies of Jerusalem are leisurely dividing the spoil from Jerusalem and its streets. Here they are. Behold, a day is coming the Lord. When the spoil taken from you, from who? Jerusalem, will be divided in your midst. And so here it is, Jerusalem, boy, they've been under attack, and you got the enemies, they're in the streets, they're going in, they're kicking in doors, and they're grabbing this, taking that, and they're just leisurely doing it, say, ha, huh, see, nope, nothing's happening to us, nothing's going on, look what we can do, right? This is the idea. And we see this, that they're coming in, they, they, they think that they have defeated the Jews, and then all of a sudden, what happens? Then Jesus will return. His feet will touch down on the Mount of Olives, and he is going to defeat all of his enemies. It'll be split in two is what it says here. I love this. He says, uh, um, he says and the city shall be taken, the house is plundered, the women will be raped. Half of the city shall go out into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. And so Jesus descends and he, he places his feet on the Mount of Olives and the surviving remnant will, will escape. And Jesus will defeat and scatter his enemies. Now I can't deal with all the details and hopefully this will just whet your appetite just a little bit to, to read into this a little bit more and study this on your own. And I think it's important that you do that. But let me give you just three things here about Jesus as a coming king and conquer and defeating his enemies that I think is important for us to remember. First of all, I want you to know that Jesus will defeat his enemies suddenly. Suddenly. Israel enemies will be gloating over what they think is their victory, and then all of a sudden, Jesus comes back and destroys them, wipes them out suddenly. Verses 12 through 15 really describe in more detail the extreme suddenness of God's victory. Notice what will happen. Look at verse 12. And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the peoples that wage war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot 
in their mouths. What kind of plague is this? What causes this plague? It's, it almost sounds like a description of almost like a, like a nuclear attack. Now, whether it's, it's because of a nuclear attack or whether it's because of, of, a, of an actual plague that the Lord sends forth and destroys his enemies, I don't know. But it says that their flesh will literally rot off of them while they're standing. Their tongues will rot in their mouths. Their eyes and their sockets will rot. And God's going to bring that suddenly, right away. This is our coming king. This is what he will do. He will destroy all of his enemies suddenly. There's no, oh, I didn't know. There's no, oh, I'm sorry. It's done. It's over. This same fate will befall their animals. Look at verse number 15. It says, and a plague like this plague shall fall on the horses, the mules, the camels, the donkeys, and whatever beasts may be in those camps. And notice what God will do to the enemies. Look at verse 13. This is, this is just amazing. So here they are. This plague falls on them. And then all of a sudden, verse 13, it tells us, And on that day a great panic from the Lord shall fall on them. So here's all the enemies of Jerusalem. God comes down. Jesus comes down on the Mount of Olives. This plague happens, and there's a panic now. And the enemies, they don't even know what to do. And so then they start fighting against each other. God causes that. And God is going to suddenly do all of this on the day of the Lord. And so it's sudden victory for God. Look, Revelation 18 pictures it the same way. The evil world system that's called Babylon the Great is sitting pretty. The merchants of the earth have become rich by their wealth of her sensuality. And she boasts, she says this, I sit as a queen and I am not a widow and will never see mourning. But then in one day, in one hour, judgment falls and she is destroyed. Swiftly, quickly, completely. If you want to look up more references about that, you can look at Revelation 18.3, Revelation 18.7, Revelation 18.8, verse 10, verse 17, and verse 19 as well. And so these prophetic sections of Scripture were not written so we can draw up some elaborate charts and, you know, graphs and, and say, okay, so now I got it all figured out. I know when Jesus is coming back and what Jesus is, how, how it's going to happen, you know, in this, in this way. No, he gives us these things to warn us so that we are prepared, so that we know what Jesus is going to do. He's going to come as a king and a conqueror, and he will defeat all of his enemies suddenly. God will win, and he will win big. He sovereignly gathers the nations against Jerusalem for this final showdown. That's what he says in verse number two. And so what is the application? The application is do not be deceived. Don't be deceived. In spite of how you see things going on in the world right now, I mean, it really seems like the world is, is just losing it, right? <laughs> I mean, it's crazy out there. It really is. And it almost seems like, like the evil is winning, 
right? It seems like, how are they getting away with this? How are they able to do this? Don't be deceived. God is going to return and he is going to destroy all of the enemies suddenly. They're not going to get away with it. Jesus is coming back. And his purpose for the ages is to enthrone Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords, and he will accomplish his purpose. God will win in the end. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's easy to say, Mike, but how can you know for sure that these prophecies literally will come true? How do you know that? That's very simple. Because Zechariah actually made other prophecies concerning Christ. We, we find many prophecies about that. Zechariah gives us specific prophecies. In, uh, in Zechariah 9.9, he prophesies about Jesus being humbled and mounting on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. We also see in Zechariah uh, chapter 11, verses 12 through 13, that Zechariah prophesies that Jesus would be rejected by the nation, sold for 30 pieces of silver, and that the money would be thrown to the potter in the house of the Lord. Judas Iscariot fulfilled that, right? So these prophecies about Christ that were written 500 years before Christ came fulfilled. And if those came, were fulfilled we can be rest assured that the prophecies that Zechariah writes about the coming of our Lord as a king and conqueror will also be fulfilled as well. And so Zechariah will get it right. And so even though if it may seem as evil as winning, don't be deceived, Jesus is coming quickly. Listen to what Jesus says in Revelation twenty-two twelve: Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. Jesus will come back and he will repay everyone for what they have done. Nobody's going to get away with anything. He will come back and do that. So Jesus will defeat his enemies suddenly. Here's the second thing. Jesus will defeat his enemies powerfully. The defeat of God's enemies at Armageddon will be accompanied by an awesome display of power. As we've seen this powerful plague that's going to be able to rot the flesh off of these people. Look at verse number four as what Zechariah writes here about this power. It says, on that day his feet, whose feet? Jesus' feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east. And on the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by every wide valley so that one half of the Mount shall move northward and the other half southward think about that power jesus comes back he puts his feet on the mount of olives and what happens <coughs> they split apart this is the power that our god has and he's going to come back powerfully there will be frightening changes on the earth and in the heavens the Mount of Olives is split in half, creating this large valley. A new river will flow out of Jerusalem, it says here, half towards the Dead Sea and half towards the Mediterranean Sea. Now, I understand this to be a literal river, but there's also going to be some spiritual application with this as well, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. But the land surrounding Jerusalem will be leveled into a broad plain with Jerusalem elevated above it. Look at verse number 10 as what Zechariah writes about this. 
uh, he says, the whole land shall be turned into a plain from Geba to Rimmon south of Jerusalem, but Jerusalem shall remain aloft on its site from the gate of Benjamin to the place of the former gate. God is going to level the ground. I mean, this is power. This is who Christ is. He has that power to be able to do that. Now, we can't determine exactly where all these locations are, but I do believe that these specific names show us that these will be literal places in Jerusalem when Christ returns. There will also be cataclysmic events, changes in the heavens. Uh, look at verses uh, 6 and 7 here. He says, On that day there shall be no light, cold, or frost. Now, I don't agree with the way that the ESV and the NIV translate this with the uh, cold or frost. I don't think that's the uh, correct translation there. I like the NASB better. Uh, NASB says, on that day there will be no light. The luminaries will die out. What is that? The sun, the moon, and the stars. They're not going to give their light. And this is going to be a, a kind of an eerie, freaky day, Okay. In the daytime, it's going to kind of be kind of light, kind of darkness. It's, it's going to have this really eerie feeling about it. I mean, God is going to do all this stuff. The, the, the sun, the moon, and the stars are going to just kind of cease. And the light that's going to be there is going to be coming from God himself. Uh, so it, it's going to be a, a very strange and eerie day that what God is going to do. And it's, it shows his power. Uh, we see here that, uh, uh, notice two other things about the Lord's power being displayed. Look at what Zechariah says concerning about who Jesus is. Verse number five. He says, then the Lord my God will come and all the holy ones with him. The holy ones. Who's that? Who are the holy ones? Well, I believe it's the angels. and I believe it's also those that have died in Christ and they are coming back with him. The holy ones, they're going to come with him. And so we see this, we see this, uh, these angels coming with the Lord and the Lord whose human feet, they're going to stand on the Mount of Olives as God in human flesh comes back. He's powerful enough to defeat all of his enemies. Second thing about his power is how he's coming back. He's not coming as a ghost or an apparition, right? He's coming back as what? Flesh, Jesus, right? I mean, remember, remember when Jesus, uh, after his resurrection, and he spent 40 days with his disciples, and he's out there, and he's out where? Where was he? The Mount of Olives, right? He's out there, and he's taken up, right? He's taken up, and the disciples are looking up, and they're watching him, and then there's angels, and they say, why are you standing around here gazing? This same Jesus that was taken up in like manner will also come back in like manner. And Jesus is coming back bodily. He's not coming back as a spirit or an apparition or AI, right? He's coming back bodily, right? This is why it's so important that we remember the words of Jesus. Jesus says, Things are going to get weird. Things are going to get crazy. He said there's going to be people saying, oh, look, Jesus is in the desert. Jesus, is, let's go, let's go. He says, don't believe him. Oh, look, Jesus is over here. He came back secretly. 
don't believe him. He says, the Son of Man will come with great power and with great glory in the clouds, and every eye will see him. Just as lightning is from the east, from the west, like that, Jesus is going to return with great power, with great glory. He will put his feet on the Mount of Olives, and there's going to be power that is going to just come from him on that day. And so these are some things that we should be looking forward to and anticipating uh, as well. Let's look at another thing here. Jesus will defeat his enemies completely. Verse number 9. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, the Lord will be one in his name, one. Now right now, only a minority of the earth's population worships God as the only true God in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Vast segments of the world are under false religions and beliefs. I mean, you, you talk to people and you ask them who they believe that Jesus is. Some say, well, you know, he was a good guy. Some say, yeah, I don't believe he existed. I mean, there, there's all kinds of kooky stuff out there, right? Oh, just believe in yourself. you got to have God in you. I mean, just weird, weird stuff out there, right? On that day, every knee Every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he will defeat his enemies completely. And so it's important for us to remember that. Psalm 2, 8, 9 will be literally fulfilled. The Father says to the Son, Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. And so there's no doubt about the outcome of world history. Our world has been on this collision course towards the end. And we're rapidly approaching that, that mark. And when Christ returns, he's going to defeat all of his enemies. I mean, that's what Scripture is all about. Scripture is about this unfolding drama of redemption. Christ has been revealed. He came to earth. He dies for our sins. He's resurrected. And he's coming back. It's all about Christ. He's going to be revealed to us in the heavens, and we will see him. Every eye will see him. And so we believe that Christ is coming as king and conquer. But here's the second thing, and lastly, we believe that Christ will establish his kingdom in righteousness and holiness over all the earth. Can I ask you a question? Are you excited about the Lord's righteousness and his holiness? Now, before we say yes to that, okay, I think we all have this idea that we think that righteousness and holiness means that I have to give up certain things over here, and it's just kind of like, you know, this fuddy-duddy type stuff, and, you know, I, I, you know, it's just not really popular these days to live a holy life, to live a righteous life, all that stuff. Can I tell you something? That when Christ returns, he is going to rule in righteousness and holiness. That's what it's going to be about. And so if we are not excited about righteousness and holy living now, I want to warn you and I want to tell you, you will not 
You will not be happy when the day of Christ returns. Because that's what it's going to be about. Righteousness and holy living. And that's what our Lord will expect. And that's what our Lord will demand. And so we have to make sure that this is something that we desire. That we are desiring righteousness. That we are desiring holy living here and now. Okay? Now I want you to look at this just very importantly. Okay? Last week we, we kind of talked about how when Jesus is revealed, our hope of heaven is this inexpressible joy and fully glory. And I want to elaborate on that here in this text, what we have to look forward to when Jesus returns to rule the earth in righteousness and why you will enjoy and should look forward to righteousness and holy living even now uh, and look forward to it when Christ rules the earth in righteousness. First, what will it look like for Christ to reign in righteousness? Notice what he says here in verse number 8. On that day, living water shall flow out from Jerusalem... Living water shall flow out from Jerusalem. What it will look like for when Christ reigns in righteousness is refreshment. Living waters. I remember when I was uh, in between college, I worked with my dad uh, working out at the uh, Kirtland Air Force Base. And they were doing a lot of projects there, doing a lot of remodeling and things there on the base because they also had Sandia National Laboratories out there as well. That's where they built, you know, atomic bomb, all that kind of stuff, right? So anyways, uh, they were doing stuff out there, and I was in charge of stripping concrete forms. This was in the summertime in New Mexico, uh, over 100 degrees outside, right? It's great work, loved it. So you're out there stripping these concrete forms. You know, you're pouring concrete, and then after the, the thing dries, you got to go by, you got to pull up all the stakes, you got these metal concrete forms, and these things are a good, I don't know, 10, 12 feet long. You're stripping them, then you're cleaning them off, you're oiling them so you get them ready for the next forms to do that. So that's what I was doing during the summertime. Man, I can remember you're out there, you're working like a dog, you're sweating, and oh man, your tongue becomes parched. It just, the sun is beating down on your head. And you know, because we were out there in the, uh, the Sandia National Labs, you had to wear all the OSHA stuff. You know, you got uh, uh, steel toe boots on, you got gloves, you got a vest, you got a hard hat, you got glass. I mean, you got all this stuff on, right? So you're out there doing this, and it's just so hot, and then. There's the water truck. Oh, man. Let's go over to the water truck. You go over there. You fill up your... Whoa, whoa, good. Ah, man, that feels so good. Take your pouring on your head. Ah, refreshment. When our Lord Jesus returns, there's going to be refreshment. Can everybody do that? Go, ah. There's going to be refreshment. That's what our Lord... And it will be true refreshment. Remember when our Lord was talking to the woman at the well, right? Giving her living water, refreshment. There is going to be literal living water, refreshment, that is going to come out of Jerusalem. Ah, refreshment. That's what our Lord is going to bring. Here's the second thing. It says here we have this refreshment, but not only that, okay? It says we will have joy and it shall be inhabited here. 
For there shall never again be a decree of utter, of utter destruction. Jerusalem shall dwell in security. I'm sorry, peace. So we'll have this peace here. And when righteousness reigns, people dwell securely. They do not need to lock their doors in fear, right? There's going to be security. By the way, this is one of those things, again, that we don't need to be deceived by. Jesus says that there will be people saying peace and security, peace and security, peace and security, but then all of a sudden, sudden destruction will come. But when our Lord does return, there will be security. There will be true peace that our Lord will bring. He says here, Jerusalem shall dwell in security. No more rockets, no more rocks, right? There'll be security. Here's the third thing, there will be joy. Notice what he says here. Then everyone, verse 16, everyone who survives of the nations that have come against Jerusalem shall go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of booths. The Feast of Booths was a, was a feast that the, uh, the, the children of Israel kept, and it was a reminder of them as they came out of Egypt that they dwelt in tents. Also, it had to deal with the fact of the, the, uh, uh, the harvest that they brought in. So this was a time of celebration. Uh, and they would, they would keep these, these feasts of booths, and they would remember what God did and how God provided for them. And it was a great time of joy. And the Bible tells us here that when Christ returns, there will be great joy. Just as there was when they were thinking about what God had done for them and how God had provided for them. And there is great joy. And it was a joyous celebration. We're reminded of the words of our Lord Jesus in John 7, 37 through 38. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. When Jesus reigns in holiness in your heart, his Holy Spirit, the living water, will fill you with refreshment, joy, and peace. But one day when Christ returns, we will behold that. We will see that literally. We'll experience it. And if you don't know Christ, if you don't know Jesus... You're his enemy. And when Christ returns, you better make sure that you're on the right side. Because it'll happen like that so quickly. And so it's important that we know about Christ's return. Here's the last thing about when Christ returns, and this is so important everything will be holy to the Lord, no more fakery. If you notice what our Lord says here, what, what Zechariah prophesies here about on that coming day, he says, the bells, there, there shall be inscribed on the bells of the horses, holy to the Lord, the pots, the bowls. He says, every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy to the Lord of hosts. Now think about that, bells and pots, right? I mean, these are just common, ordinary objects, but they are going to be used for the Lord's glory. They're going to be used for the Lord in holiness. So what about us? When our Lord returns, he is going to expect righteousness and holiness. There's not going to be any more fakery. There's not going to be any more false humility, false spirituality, right? 
when we, when, we, when we act this way in our life here and now, okay, where when we come to church and we gather with the Lord's people, we put on our spiritual hat, we act all spiritual, we're all good, but then afterwards we live in a completely different way. That is hypocrisy, and the Lord hates hypocrisy. And when Christ returns, there will be no more fakery. There will be no room for that. And so it's very important that we are living out exactly what we believe here on earth because the Lord knows our hearts and the Lord can see our hearts for really what we are. And so we need to be holy to the Lord here and now because there's going to be coming a day when Christ returns and he's going to expect righteousness and true holiness from our lives as well. So that's the day of the Lord. That's when he's coming back. That's what it's going to look like. Are you prepared for that? Are you ready for that? Don't be deceived. Christ is returning. He's going to come back. And we need to make sure that we are living out truth in our lives. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.